All right, so I'm, I'm guessing some of you, you've, you've heard this passage before, but just to kind of have a roll call cast of characters, who is the vine here? All right. Gee. Okay, here's a tip. If you're new to church, always answer Jesus. You have like a 92.5% chance of getting it right every time. Yeah, Jesus is the vine. Who are the branches? We are the branches. And who is the gardener? God. Yeah, y'all got that. Good. Jesus, yeah. So if it's already been answered once, it can't be answered again. I should point that part out too. All right, so, and the goal, this is, this is not, I'm not going to stump you here. The goal of a tree is to bear fruit, right? If you got an apple tree, you expect that it's going to, at some point, produce apples. But Jesus says that we are called to bear fruit. He says that's the goal. So what is it? This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That's how we know that we're following Jesus as we're bearing fruit. So it's easy to know when you're talking about an apple tree, we're talking about it's supposed to bear apples. What's, but with us, right, we're not bearing apples. What, what are we doing? So it could be, you could think of it as good works, right? You could think of it as your heart. Uh, if you think to um, Galatians chapter six, it's this passage about the fruit of the spirit, right? Love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I think I got those. That that's fruit that comes out of our hearts. And that's what Jesus is talking about. It's a, it's a natural thing. Um, do we have any... Do we have any farmers in here? Any of you ever farmed? All right, that's awesome. What about gardeners? Probably some more hands go up on the gardening. Yeah, I'm not much of a gardener, so, um, but I'm, I'm learning these things, and, and Jesus is actually living in this very agricultural culture and setting, and so much of what he talked about was on that. And so, but I do know that if you, or so I'm told, that if you plant a certain kind of tree, the right kind for that soil and you give it water and it's exposed to sunlight, it's going to do what it's supposed to do, right? That's just the way God created it. But the gardener has a role, right? The gardener has to do his, his part. And the good thing is, in, when it comes to us, God is a good gardener. A gardener's goal, his main purpose, is to ensure that, that the tree, that the bush, has everything it needs to be healthy, right? So that's what God does here. So here's, the, here's what I would say. If fruit is the byproduct of health, then the first question we have to always ask is, how do we become healthy? How do we ensure that our life is characterized by health? And I love, I love, love, love um, Christ City's emphasis on that. I mean, that is so important. So what I want to do this morning is... is um, uh, there's this chart that I, I saw several years ago that made an impact on me, and I've continued to just kind of tweak this thing, but um, you can put that up there. So there's basically two axes. There's an axis of rest and an axis of responsibility. And what we're going to look at is what happens when it's high or low on both of them, okay? So when we talk about rest, let me, let me give you a few things to kind of think about when you hear this. First, think about the word margin. Margin's a good word, but it's a really rare word, it seems like. 
we would all say, yeah, I don't have enough margin in my life. So think about margin when you think about this word rest. Also, you can think about the Jewish concept of rest, right? If you, uh, Genesis 1 says, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. And then God did a whole bunch of stuff. And then there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God did a whole bunch of stuff. This idea that the day doesn't begin when we wake up in the morning. The day begins when we go to bed that our day starts with rest and our work flows out of rest. So rather than resting from work, we're working from rest. It makes such a big difference. So think about that. Think about the question when we talk about rest, what is it that fills your tank? I'm gonna come back to that one. What is it that fills your tank that when you put these things in, you just come alive? They, and maybe in a different way than if, if another person did it, but it's unique to you that it just fills you up. And then finally, when we talk about rest, think about the word trust. Because spiritual rest is so rooted in trust. You think about Sabbath. In Sabbath, we cease producing, right? In Sabbath, we rest. In Sabbath, we trust that God's gonna keep the earth spinning on its axis even though we have nothing to do with it. I've heard it said that in Sabbath, we're trusting that God can do more in six days than we can do in seven. At the very heart of this word rest is a trust. Now, how about the word responsibility? Well, back in Genesis 1 again, it's this idea of the creation mandate to fill the earth and subdue it. You can think about it as, as you know, blessed to be a blessing, again, doing good works, all of these kinds of things. But responsibility is maybe this meta, but it's also to individuals. So if you're, think about, for those of you who are parents, when you've had your first child, like responsibility, like in a whole new way, like it's your, you've never probably been responsible for keeping someone alive, but now you are, and that's just the start of it, right? so much that you're responsible for. Now, if you're not a parent, you're not off the hook because think about, um, think about throughout Paul's writings, all of these one another passages, right? Love one another, honor one another, admonish one another, encourage one another. Like, we have responsibility for one another. Uh, when I think about this word responsibility, another thing I just feel the need to say is we've got to, fight the temptation for comparison. So when we talk about responsibility, we're talking about capacity as well. We're talking about, you imagine that you have a plate and the things that you're putting on that plate are your responsibilities. And some of our plates are small, some of our plates are large. Sometimes we go through seasons when we have smaller plates or larger plates, but there is this tendency to look over at the person you're doing life with, a friend, a neighbor, and see, man, they're just doing so much. I don't measure up, I don't, I must be a slacker, whatever, fill in the blank. And that is not what God's calling us to. God's calling us to faithfulness with what he's called to put on our plates. Um, what we're gonna talk about this morning is that bad things happen when we put too much on our plates. That's pretty much it. Um, have any of you ever uh, been a waiter or a waitress in a restaurant? Quite a few. Um, 
I'm always impressed. You think about a Saturday night, busy, busy time, eight, seven, eight p.m. in a small restaurant. It's crowded, and you've got these waiters, waitresses, carrying not just a little plate, but like a platter that has many plates, and they're just weaving through. If I, if they asked me to stand up and do that, it would be a disaster in about two seconds. But they know what they're doing. They've been trained. They know. But even they know that if they put too much on. Just one bump and it's, <laughs> all of your food is gone. So that's kind of what we're looking at uh, this morning. Goal is faithfulness. All right, so that's rest, that's responsibility. I was also thinking about the mission statement for Christ City. So when you think about recover your life, that's rest. It's this idea of rooting ourselves in rest. When you talk about, skip one, refresh your world, that's this idea of having responsibility. And then I love this reimagine your purpose. I think it's, doing all of this work, doing all of this work, trusting that Jesus offers us a way to live life, a way to live life that is good and it's fulfilling and it's abundant. And he's offering not just here it is, but I want to show you how to do it. And so everything we're doing is reimagining what it looks like to live this kind of life. So we're gonna spend our time looking at four quadrants of what it looks like in relationship to high rest or low rest and high responsibility or low responsibility. So the first one is, is the one that we all want to be and it's when we have high rest and high responsibility. We're just gonna call this word healthy. We wanna be healthy, right? When I think about healthy in terms of rest and responsibility, I think about calling and passion. Those are good words, right? where you know what God's called you to do, and it's exciting, it's energizing. But I also think about breathing deeply in the midst of it, that I'm not frantic, I'm not worried about tomorrow, I'm, I'm able to just kinda plant my feet in the present. And my identity, oh, this is a good one, my identity is not wrapped up in what I do, but in who I am. That's having both of these in, in conjunction, high levels of both. I'm able to discern what matters most because there's so many things to choose from. There's so many good things. So I have to have discernment. I have to also have discernment on um, pushing aside so many of the world's messages of what it looks like to be happy, what it looks like to have the good life, what it looks like to have meaning and satisfaction and fulfillment because often what the world preaches isn't what's truly gonna get me there. So I have to discern that. I don't make decisions just based on money in that moment, right? It's way bigger than that. Now I, am, I know, I know you've been in that place, right? We've all been in that place, but I also guarantee that a lot of us aren't there this morning. But if you can remember, if you're not there now, if you can remember a time, can you remember what it felt like to be healthy, to have high rest and high responsibility? Well, let's move on. We're gonna move on to the one that's gonna take us a little bit longer because it's the place I imagine a lot of us are, and it's where we have high responsibility, but we have low rest, and we're gonna call this one overwhelmed, which is another word that you feel, isn't it? Overwhelmed. All right, so this is where we have a lot of good things on our plates. I mean, that calling piece is there. Like, we're doing some good things. 
And I imagine an activist place like this, there's a lot on the plate. Um, yet we, if we're honest, we would say we're kind of like, we're kind of swaying a little bit and one good bump could knock us over. And we kind of, if we're honest, we really have no idea even how to know what to start taking off a plate because it's all so dang important, right? Where do you even begin? So there can kind of this feeling of helplessness in that. Um, Mandy and I just uh, a few weeks ago finished the season, season three of uh, This Is Us. Yeah, some This Is Us fans. I gotta say, I'm really worried about Randall Pearson. I'm really worried because this dude's got a lot of passion. Uh, but I don't know that it's wise to run for city council in a city that's, what, like two hours away from where he lives, right? Just doesn't seem like the most wise thing. And now he's there. I won't spoil it for you if you're gonna go home today and watch This Is Us, but like he's in this place now where that platter is, <laughs> is doing this big time, right? Now, I, um, I know there's a lot of you here that are quite a bit younger than me, and I remember when I was in my 20s and early 30s, and I was saying yes to everything. And that's an appropriate thing because you're trying to figure out what you are passionate about and what is the good fit and what you are good at, gifted at. And so, and there's kind of this scarcity mentality because you're like, if I don't say yes to this today, it may not be here tomorrow. Anybody resonate with that? And so you just say yes to everything and you, you have your plate full. Here's the difference. This is, I'm, I'm speaking when I was in my 20s. The plate's a little lower. There's not as many people depending on me. And so if it, if it falls over, it's, it's gonna be okay. So I think there's a time, but here's the issue. We develop habits with that, right? We get used to saying yes to everything. We don't wanna disappoint people. We don't, we don't have boundaries. We, um, we like having things on our plate, so we just keep doing it. And so as you get older, as you have people who rely on you, now the plate's getting a little higher and it's getting harder. It's getting harder to walk. It's getting harder to juggle. So, oh, and, and then to, as if things weren't jacked up enough, you ever heard uh, Brene Brown talk about exhaustion as a status symbol? So, I don't know if this has been true throughout all of mankind, but it definitely feels like it's amped up in today's culture, that there is something about, it's not just we're gonna fill it up, but like we feel better about ourselves when our days have no margin, when our day, when we are slammed. It, so someone asks me, how you doing? Great, I'm busy, right? That's, that's the response, right? And it's kind of just, maybe you're not even thinking about it, but it's something about that that makes us feel like we matter, like what we're doing is important. And that's pretty messed up. It is definitely, we are bearing fruit, if we go back to that analogy, of that whole thing right now. Look at this, uh, you have this on, your, on the back of your bulletin. This is by a guy named Peter Cesaro. He wrote the book, um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and the Emotionally Healthy Leader, and a couple more. He says, our bodies cannot seem to physiologically get off the adrenaline rush in order to slow down. 
We battle to make the best use of every spare minute we have. We fear how things might fall apart if we slow down or stop, so we just keep going. We end our days exhausted from the endless demands being placed on us. We know we need to rest and recharge, but who has time for that when the fill in the blank is hanging by a thread? Soon even our free time becomes filled with demands as we try to squeeze more doing into an already overburdened life. That makes me tired just reading it. All right, last thing to say about this one. Sometimes this is unavoidable, right? You have a a deadline at work. You are studying for finals. You have a new baby in the house. I know we have a lot of that. (laughs) I know we have a lot of first-time parents, and the baby has not figured out that it's supposed to sleep at night, right? And you just feel, yeah, overwhelmed? Yes, 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 I'm overwhelmed. We go through those seasons. The, the key is that it's unsustainable over time. And the good news is for you young parents, I've been there, they will learn to sleep, I promise. But we can't be in a habit of continuing it in a, in a, in a long-term way. So um, let me share just a bit of my story. So rewind about five years, and uh, I was in, definitely in this place. Um, the hard work that I had put in in my 20s and early 30s was paying off. I had a, a growing business. I'm in real estate. I had, uh, we had a church that was still alive. A lot of church plants don't make it. We were still alive and growing, um, our family was doing well. Mandy was doing well with the things that God's put on her heart. And uh, it was good. It was a good feeling. But I recognized that my pace wasn't sustainable. And I didn't want to burn out. I didn't want to blow up. A couple years ago, I had a buddy of mine who, he's younger than me, but he works in a nonprofit with leaders, a bunch of whom are older than him. And He made this comment a couple years ago to me. He said, I have heard that your 50s are your most strategic decade. Again, not there. Still got a ways to go before that. And, uh, but, but there was something in me like, well, I don't know, but maybe that's right. I know the flip side of it is, can be midlife crisis, right? That's the other thing I've heard. But I was kind of like, okay, if that is true, and I have no reason to doubt it, what's my on-ramp like? And I honestly, I didn't feel it was great. I didn't feel like I was gonna be putting myself in a position where my 50s would be my most strategic decade. And so there was something within that that God just convicted me of, gave me hope for, uh, made me reimagine. And I started having to ask some questions. Now let's go back to this passage. You don't have to turn there. But it says that the gardener, God, right? The gardener cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. Do you know what he does to the branches that do bear fruit? Starts with a P, prunes. Again, not a gardener. But it sounds to me really similar. It involves shears and it sounds painful. But a good gardener knows that you prune the branches that do bear fruit. Now, I've read this. I'll share this with you. There are three kinds of branches that a good gardener will prune. The first one's the dead ones that are just taking up space. No brainer, right? The second one are the sick ones that aren't gonna get better. No brainer again. 
The third one, though, kind of catches me by surprise. It's good branches that aren't the best. Now, you're like, why in the world would you prune good branches, period, right? Why would you do that? Well, it's because I've been told, again, that branches produce more buds than they can sustain. Branches produce more buds than they can sustain. I don't know if you feel this way, but I think that's a lot like us. We can produce more than we can healthily sustain. That's just the way God made it. We can put more on our plates than is actually healthy. And that's hard. So God, being the good gardener that he is, prioritizes health and is gonna do whatever is necessary to keep us healthy, to make us healthy. And sometimes that hurts. So in May of this past year, I, I took a three-month sabbatical, partly to, <laughs> to bring the rest level up, but also to discern that was God calling me to continue to be a pastor? And uh, came back after three months and resigned. Um, and I just be honest, it was the hardest decision I've ever made because I'd been pastor in this church for 11 years, but the previous nine or 10 were spent preparing to do this, right? So half my life, half my life was given to this thing that now I was sensing it was time to lay aside. And I'm sure others of you have gone through something similar, but it's not easy. It's painful. It's, it's, it's painful because of what you're giving up. It's painful because you may not know what you're doing next. It's just hard, but it's part of it. And here's what I'd end with on this piece. Um, Sometimes we make the hard decisions to get healthy and sometimes God does it for us. You've been there? All right, let's move on. Sometimes we have high rest and low responsibility and we're gonna call that comfortable. And you're like, sign me up for that one, right? So that's when you go on vacation, right? You're putting work aside. You have high rest. Again, I've heard Robin say it, if you got the little people, it's not vacation, right? And there's still a lot of responsibility, so that doesn't count. But if you don't have the little people, or they're, they're older, it's, it's high rest, low responsibility. At some point out there, retirement will happen, right? Where no longer work, rest is higher. Um, you know, I, I um, commend Robin and the pastors here for, uh, I know Robin does this in the summer, takes more of a break from, from teaching, um, that's a smart thing. You may be kind of like, well, I already had my vacation time. I'm not, retirement seems a really long ways away and I'm not a pastor, so what about me? So I'm gonna bring up the word Sabbath again. Sabbath is something that rolls around every seven days and it's meant for this. We don't always do a good job honoring it as the commandment says, but that's what it's for. It's a day where responsibility goes down and rest goes up. So, so during this time uh, from September is when I resigned until, until May for sure, I kind of felt like, okay, it's time for phase two of my sabbatical and I'm gonna not fill up all my time with real estate. I need to be in a place where I can recharge. I need some time for reflection on the end of a season. I need some time just to be filled up again. I need some time of quietness and stillness. All these things are... Um, scarce often. 
I need these things, and I need a place to just begin dreaming again. I don't know about you, but it's in those moments of quiet and rest that I've had my, the best ideas I've ever come up with uh, because I'm in this place of high rest where there's actual, actually some mental space. You know that, right? So that's kind of what this place is, and it's not just for me. It's when you are in this season where it's low responsibility and high rest, that's what it's for, these, these things. Now, just as the overwhelmed stage isn't sustainable long-term, this isn't either, because we are created for responsibility. And so as I made my way towards May, I started feeling a little antsy, like this rest has been good. I don't know if you've been on a, a longer beach vacation, but I love, I love the beach. I love when they're bringing me stuff and I got my book and I love it. But there's still only so long I can do that. And if you hadn't done that in a while, you're like, you're stupid, Robert. I can be there, but I'm just, I'm just telling you. Um, but this is, this is we, we aren't meant to, uh, to just have high rest. We're meant to take on responsibility, but it ought to come out of proper time of high rest. This is why a lot of people, probably for a long time, but I definitely hear it talked about and written about today, re- redefining retirement, because a lot of, a lot of people will, will retire and go to the golf course or go to the beach, and what happens? They get bored after a while, and so retirement begins to be thought of as just, I no longer work for money, I just get to pursue the things <laughs> that God's put in me. And that's a whole different way of thinking about it. Okay, we got one more here. This is when we have low rest and low responsibility. I'm just gonna call this one bored. Okay, so you would think it looks like because there's, it looks like high rest because it's low responsibility. But, but there's some deception in that. Having low responsibility does not automatically mean you have high rest. I'll say it again. Having low responsibility does not automatically mean you have high rest. Because go back to that place of overwhelm. I know I left that one, but some of you feel that right now. When you are overwhelmed, you become desperate to fill your tank, to have your tank filled. It's like, Like your car, you're driving, you're driving, you're driving. Pretty soon you are driving on fumes, right? And your car is desperate to be filled up. Now, the good thing with with vehicles is we know what to put in that. It's gas, right? You put something else in, we need to ask you some questions, right? You, You know what to do. We are way, way more complex than vehicles. And we have to know the right things to do to give us high rest. And so sometimes we uh, will turn to Netflix, which can be good, all right? But if we do too much of that, that doesn't lead to rest. Social media doesn't lead to rest. I've never had anyone come to me and said, I just spent three hours on Facebook and I feel awesome. (laughs) I've never heard that. You've never heard that. I have heard people come to me and say, I just went on a hike. I just spent an hour with a friend over coffee. I just heard incredible music at a concert. And that was life-giving. That filled my tank. And so it is not enough to just take things off your plate and lessen responsibility. Equally as important, maybe more important, is knowing what fills your tank. 
Do you know what fills your tank? Do you know what makes you come alive? Here's the, amazing, the other amazing thing that's not cookie cutter. God has created us all differently. For some of you, you need solitude. You, you need to get away from people. Others of you, you're extroverted, you need to be around people. And that's great too. It's, uh, everybody's different. I won't go into all the things because there's so many things, but give yourself permission to figure it out. Or maybe you already know and maybe you haven't practiced it in a while. But those things that fill your tank and then be unapologetic about doing them, about making sure that they are worked into your life, worked into your schedule where they're actually written in your schedule. This is so key. Otherwise, we're taking things off the plate, but we're not doing what's important. So do you know what quadrant you're in? If you don't, I'd encourage you to think about it some more. And here's what, here's what my challenge would be to you is just tell somebody today. Tell somebody what quadrant you think you're in. Healthy, overwhelmed, comfortable, bored. There's one thing that these three, last three have in common, the overwhelmed, comfortable, bored. Um, they lead to what this passage describes as withering, a life that is withering. That's not a good thing if you're not a gardener. Withering is not a good thing. So what do we do if we find ourselves in one of those places? And we feel, again, some of these words are weighty. I feel them, right? What do, you, what do we do when we feel like our life is characterized by withering? How do we seek health? I'm gonna go back to that Galatians passage. Do you know that in that section of about I don't know, five or six verses in Galatians 6, Paul doesn't say, okay, now be more loving. Okay, now get you some self-control. Be more patient. He doesn't say that. The one command he gives is at the beginning of that little section, and it's walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, and you will, as a, as a natural byproduct, bear the fruit of the Spirit. Well, Jesus says something similar in this passage, and it's this phrase that's repeated several times. It's the phrase, remain in me. Remain in me. If, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, you may be, fam be more familiar with the word that's often translated abide. Abide in me. And you're kind of like, it may be, I don't even exactly know what that means. Is that like, I need to pray every day and read my Bible every day? And of course it has, spiritual disciplines are a part of it, but is way, way bigger than that. Look at this definition of abiding. An effortless resting in the Lord, confident in his love for us, his promises about our future, and his desire to bless us with abundant life. You can go to that next slide, I think it's on there. Oh, no, sorry, go back. Um, an effortless resting, doesn't that sound good? Confident in his love for us, his promises about our future, and his desire to bless us with abundant life. That's what abiding is, and it's way bigger than just prayer. It's way bigger than 
studying your Bible. It's way bigger. It's life. It's a different kind of life. I want to end with this passage, uh, also from Jesus. It's Matthew 11, and it's uh, from the message. Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So Jesus models this way of life. I love that. I mean, he has a lot on his plate. Would you agree? He's seeking to discern what it is that the Father has for him. And he says that there is this connection between he and God. But I love this, but I'm not keeping it to myself. That's, that's like one of my favorite lines. I'm not keeping it to myself. I want to show you how to have the same thing with God. I want to show you how to live life in this way that's described like this. You can look to me, and I actually am going to go over it line by line with you. I want to model it, and I want to give you everything you need to live that kind of life. I don't know about you, but that's like the most beautiful and compelling invitation I've ever received. To come to him and do this. So we do this, rest and responsibility, recovering our life, reimagining our purpose and refreshing our world, rooted in this invitation. Rooted in this invitation. Let's pray. So Jesus, I, um, I'm in awe of you. I'm in awe of the way that you lived your life. When I think about um, the things that get in the way of me living this kind of life, um, I'm humbled that you would continue to invite. I'm humbled that you would continue to welcome me to you. I'm, I'm humbled that you would uh, continue to remind, that you'd continue to give grace and give wisdom. And I pray for my friends here that whatever place we're in when it comes to rest and responsibility, um, that you'd meet us in this space even now, that we would have hope and courage that we could live life differently. I, I pray especially for those who, seem, who feel deep within them just a sense of uh, being overwhelmed 
whether it's a new season of life as a child, maybe they're in a new place, maybe it's a new job, maybe it's just overwork, maybe it's just bad habits. But whatever it is, I pray for grace and wisdom. I pray that we would seek you to find what we can find nowhere else. Thank you for this church. Thank you for its leaders. Um, Thank you for giving our family a place to land. Thank you for continuing uh, to call us into places that aren't always comfortable, but are where you have us. We thank you for that. Uh, We thank you for this time in Jesus' name, amen.